Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Delicious Tears. I'm your host for the next 30 to 60 minutes, The Solution, where I talk about a lot of stuff. But this is uh, the weekly rundown. I apologize for giving you all for not giving you a weekly rundown last week. Was a little busy and uh, having some technical difficulties with the platform. But I'm gonna give you the quick rundown in sports. The Chiefs finally took the L last week to the Raiders and teams are scrambling to figure out exactly how the Raiders did it. Basically, it is beat up Patrick Mahomes, beat up Patrick Mahomes and run the football. Do you hear that Baltimore Ravens? The team from West Pennsylvania, Northwest Pennsylvania with the black and urine colored uniforms have continued to roll although they almost stumbled against the Eagles last week and that kind of exposed them a little bit because you want to look at their schedule look at the that team's schedule a little bit then they came back this week to bring you up to speed with the fact that they steamrolled the Cleveland Browns now what's the commonality between that team and the Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens also steamrolled the Cleveland Browns let's bring you up to speed on the Baltimore Ravens. Last week, they beat the living snot out of the Cincinnati Bengals as they showed the rookie quarterback in a very porous defensive line. As we know, the Ravens' pass rushes had left a lot to desire, and the offense has seemed a little not so Raven-like. But the standards are high and lofty after last year, and fans expect success on offense now after the team historically been a defensive team for most of his existence and they got a taste of what it's like to score a lot of points and have an exciting offense led by Lamar Jackson. What's my take on it? It appears that they're tinkering with the offense and they basically limiting Lamar Jackson from running as much to see if they can carry the team with the passing offense because they know they have a stable running back. So they essentially come out there in the wishbone with J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Mark Ingram, and they can also throw Patrick Ricard in at fullback. I mean, they should come out in the, the Navy offense at this point because it just appears like if your name is and starting with MAR, you're not getting the football. <laughs> Moving on to more current events. As I record this podcast, the Kansas City Chiefs squeezed by the Buffalo Bills in a rainy game up there in the early game that was rescheduled due to COVID issues with the Tennessee Titans that affected other teams. So it appears that teams have somehow seen some things on the Chiefs, but the Chiefs had like 240 yards rushing. And that's disturbing because they just signed Le'Veon Bell. In my opinion, he won't be too much of a factor because Clyde Hilaire, um, I can't remember as far as his name, the, the young rookie running back has been ripping it. I don't expect Le'Veon Bell to do too much besides spell uh, Clyde uh, Hilaire up there. There's just no reason to throw him in there. I think Le'Veon Bell has lost a step. He is not the running back that teams feared that could be on the field for all three downs. He's just not that guy anymore. Some people would like to say, oh, it was the offense and Adam Gase didn't know how to utilize him with the New York Jets. I think not. So, speaking with the, the common outs between that team and the Ravens, the Ravens also beat the snot out of the Browns and they also squeaked by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, this current game that the Ravens just played, it was a win. It was vintage Ravens prior to the Mar Jackson era, prior to the mid-season 2018 split. This was pretty much how the Ravens won football game. 
with good defense somehow go into this crazy prevent thing, then they squeeze back into it and they get Justin Tucker on the field to seal the win or they come up with a big defensive stop. So what happened in this game? The Ravens jumped out to a 17-0 lead going into halftime where we saw Lamar Jackson uh, heed the running game and find another target besides Mark Andrews in the end zone. It was Nick Bull, which was a dope play. Lamar was out there. It's, it's like he crossed up the defender, just hit him with the hezzy. <laughs> then he gave him a little toss pass. Like, I, I can do that too. Like, it was nothing. It, it looked very streetballish. And that's the thing that makes teams terrified of Lamar Jackson. You think you got him bottled up and he's going to do something that most uh, quarterbacks would do step out of bounds, throw it away. No. He jukes around and does all kinds of stuff. And somebody pops over and he just flicks it to the guy, like you're out there playing two hand touch in the street. So it's, it's pretty entertaining to see, but you would like to see traditional things from him. And I say, you know something? No, you don't. Let him be him. And it appears Lamar is trying to be more of a traditional guy and pulling out his uh, elusiveness and running quarterback thing when he sees fit or they call his number. And uh, he, he it looks like they're getting back into what they normally do. But the problem is with the wide receivers and they have the fix on the team, believe it or not, with the rookie uh, Duvernay. This wide receiver out of University of Texas was known for catching everything, and he has a lot of speed. He's already flashed on a very long kick return. Um, beginning of the season, he was basically threatening to take one to the house, then he did it against the Chiefs, and he also had a very long return this game. I think it was 37 yards, and he ran a 42-yard reverse in the last game against the Bengals. And he's he shown that he should be out there. He was targeted three times this past game. I think he had like... 37 yards or something like that so to pair him across from marquise brown is really what they need to do i think the miles boykin era is over but the ravens like him as a blocker what should they do with him remember the guy darren waller who's a tight end for the raiders the ravens actually realized that he wasn't getting much separation they thought he was going to be like another demarius thomas or megatron the the lone wide receiver in georgia tech's offense that's where he came from and it just didn't pan out so they moved him to tight end, and he was a smallish tight end. But he's, speaking of move, all puns intended, he became a move tight end, meaning that move tight ends aren't known for their blocking. They either line up, you know, on the end of the line, or they slide out, or they line up wide. And you put them in motion and everything because they just aren't big enough, or they may not be. They may be big enough. They just aren't effective blockers, but they're known for their deceptive speed in their hands. And I think Miles Boykin may become one of those guys. He just does not run good. He doesn't run good routes to be a big wide receiver. He doesn't use his body. And it looks like there's a lack of chemistry between him and Lamar Jackson. But put du uh, Duvernay out there and let him get busy. He is the guy. Ravens, you have a horrible history of drafting wide receivers up until Marquise Brown, who you're getting good returns on right now. Now he's healthy. He's been pretty stable, getting you about 60 to 70 yards per game. But he's on the smaller side. Put Duvernay out there and work Prochet into there as well. Uh, look, I know you like Willie Sneed because he's a savvy veteran, but it's just not happening. There were times when the Ravens went empty backfield and he was scrambling and normally somebody pops open and most offense. The Chiefs just kill you with that. When Mahomes starts moving around, you lose track of the wide receivers and somebody's in the middle of the field 
wide open, running free for a touchdown on a long game. They just don't do that. Is it Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, that just isn't very uh, he isn't very creative with the passing concept because he knows a ground game quarterback, well, excuse me, coordinator, and you basically run the ball to set up the pass, and it just looks like the Ravens are trying to pass to set up the run. Where it's like, okay, we got 30 yards off that play. We got 10. Okay, that's good. Let's start throwing the ball a little bit. It's like they're forcing the issue. Or just maybe they're still experimenting against some of these weaker teams and they're seeing what they can roll out. Not sure. Is the defensive line fix with this past game with them tallying something like 11 sacks? No. No. They've faced weaker offensive lines, injured offensive line, rookies. So, yes, they should take advantage. So, Yesterday, a game against the Eagles where Calais Campbell just went nuts, just throwing around those offensive. He should have. There was a rookie out there. There was a um, just they, they were undermatched against this big veteran defensive line that was out there. And the Ravens didn't even have Brandon Williams or Dark Wolf. They went with uh, Broderick Washington, Justin Ellis, and uh, Calais Campbell, and um, the rookie Matabuki. Now I like this kid. The Ravens need interior pass rush. Brandon Williams is more of a run stuffer. He doesn't get many sacks, but his job is basically to occupy space. And from time to time, he gets a good matchup and he just shoves that center or that guard back into the off the uh, quarterback's face. But he doesn't do it often enough. And Matabike and Broderick Washington were actually doing that a little better. Where the quarterback is forced to head to the edge or try to slip through between the guard and tackle. And that's where the edge rushers should pick him up or that blitzing linebacker. So yesterday you really didn't see a whole lot of uh, DBs blitzing as usual because they were getting enough pressure with the defensive line finally. But I don't see that happening after the bye week. Now the Ravens are going into a bye week. They got a couple of injuries. Mark Ingram might be questionable for... The game against that other team, um, meaning that team. Look, if you're a Ravens fan, you don't say that team's name. That's just how it is. It's the biggest rivalry in football, by the way. Best rivalry in football. Best rivalry. With the Chiefs and Ravens creeping up, the Patriots-Ravens uh, rivalry is pretty much done because Brady isn't there anymore. He's not the, the guy that was basically torturing the Ravens for years, and the Ravens were beating him up as much as they could. And they got Cam Newton up here, so there's no familiarity with that. Uh, besides maybe the coaching rivalry, perhaps. Because, you know, from like 2011 till uh, 2013, it was pretty much the Ravens and uh, the Patriots going at it at some point. The Ravens should have another Super Bowl, but, you know, there was a missed kick and a drop pass by Lee Evans. And Lee Evans was promptly out of the league after that drop. That ended his career, pretty much. But... They're going into a bye. Mark Ingram injured his ankle against the Eagles and did not return the game. But I think they're going to be okay with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And uh, by the way, Justin Hill was active the past two games. He just was playing special teams. So I believe they'll get it done considering what we saw from Lamar Jackson with his legs. And you know what happens when teams load the box and they start just getting terrified of Lamar. Um, he, he gets these wide open you know, intermediate passing routes across the field and those deep sideline routes that the receiver's just running away and they can easily catch them. But that's been a problem for him a little bit. But this past game, he actually was completing those a little bit. He had a couple where he hit the sidelines. Um, 
so this will be probably the most watched game being that that team is undefeated but their record is kind of suspect but you're supposed to beat the teams that you're lined up against but the wins will kind of show you just who you're playing against let's talk about the browns for a second the browns are imposters they are talented enough offensively to ran off that four to run off that four one record prior to meeting that other team our rivals and they quickly got trashed and stomped just like the ravens did in you know week one so browns fans calm down that that is not a very good team they feasted upon bad teams as they should and that's a lot to be said so let's talk about um this fake america's team out there the, the cowboys i live in san antonio and these fans are fanatics which is fans are short for fanatic delusional toxic relationship with the team living in the past every year is your year so Dak prescott suffered a horrific injury and he was in a contract year I mean, he said he was worth 35 million so Dak, you're not going to get 35 million unfortunately with that injury and I, I could see him actually being gone after this because now the cowboys have leverage and the thing is is that um andy dalton former Bengals quarterback the red rifle out of tcu he's a good quarterback believe it or not just bad at crunch time well against the ravens he managed to kill our season a couple times with blown coverages you know but he hit the passes and everything but anyway um they might be okay with him the question is defense and the nfc east excuse me nfc least is in shambles in shambles no one has a winning record i i don't think that situation is going to sift itself out probably until mm, week 12 when we're trying to see who's going to go nine and seven you know ten and six at best it appears so it's it's just uh it's it's a it's a train wreck out there someone asked me hey the solution are the titans real hmm I think they're good real not sure the problem is is that you have to stop derrick henry and it just appears that teams aren't committed to really swarming this guy because they feel like somebody's going to pop open off play action that's how ryan Tannehill is starting to look really good because teams are just flat out terrified of derrick henry getting loose on him that's a big man okay pause you know, you, you, you got somebody that's 230 pounds, about 6'3", running a 4'4", trucking down the field, literally trucking down the field. I mean, he is, oh my goodness. He he threw Errol Thomas around so much he looked like he was his fullback. Then old Josh Norman decides to come out of retirement for the Bills, and he tossed Josh Norman into the parking lot. It's just it's not fair it's like earl earl campbell is out there again but bigger and faster and you really have to commit to just laying lumber to this guy constantly and wrap up if you you're not going to bring him down grab a hold to that that dude and wait for help okay and the the problem is you think about his first season or so it was like this guy was destroying people in high school destroying people in college where is he and he had a talk with eddie george 
Eddie George was mentoring him. And he basically told him, like, look, dude, you have it all. The speed, the size, the ability. You need to believe in yourself. And he just went nuts last year. Well, the last two years. So if you can't stop Derrick Henry and lay some points on the Titans, you are done. There's no reason why the Ravens didn't beat them in the playoffs last year. They had the talent. They just forgot who they were. So how do you beat a team that slaps 35 plus points on you? You play solid defense and you take the clock from them. You keep that quarterback that's running that offense with that score on the sideline. Keep him as cold as possible and you run off some six to seven, eight minute drives. Just grind their defense down to a fine pulp. Wear them out. They get on the field. You get some stops on them. You get a couple of turnovers, hopefully. And hey, they're out of whack. They're out of whack. They're doing whatever it takes to get back in the game. And the Ravens had the recipe against the Titans and the Chiefs. And they forgot who they were. You are a ground and pound option team. Do what you do best. Don't get cute. A lot of people said that. Moving right along. Uh, last week, we also had the LA Lakers crown the champions of the NBA. I'm going to tell you all. Hate me for it. Put an asterisk next to that championship. This is like the strike shortened season that the San Antonio Spurs won. This is what I call a, um, a great value championship. This is a bargain championship. And you talk about the bubble teams. Like, what was the, the the requirements for teams to make it into the bubble? That's my big question. Like, why were the Pelicans there? Besides, well, we know why Zion. They, it was just ratings. The, these teams, like, why are they there? How did they make it? Like, they didn't even take, like, the top teams from each division, each conference, and throw them in there. It was just, oh, yeah, people want to see these teams. And basically, it came down to who got hot the quickest in the bubble and basically who who gelled and coalesced properly to make a run of it. Because remember, the, the Clippers were supposed to be the, the Lakers' problem. And they weren't. They weren't. So you let's let's get to it, okay? Let's get to it. First off, the NBA does not like sweeps. They don't like five and one championships. They they like for you to go at, at least um, you know seven. They they want all the advertising dollars. Bottom line, that's all it is. They they don't like sweeps. They don't like it. Okay, they don't like it. They they rather the the weaker team to run off two vic two victories. You know, make it a little compelling and stuff like that. You know, let the, the stronger team jump out two wins. The weaker team gets one. The stronger team gets the third one. The weaker team, you know, gets the uh, the fourth one. Just drag it out a little bit. Okay? Better yet, take it down to the wire to game seven. Even better. They love it. It's good for ratings. It makes them a lot of money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. They love that. So, we knew it was coming, everyone. The GOAT question. Hmm. I've been asked to uh, opine on this, to pontificate upon this. 
to give my opinion of this and it's not going to be un i'm biased okay i am biased first off this has lebron passed surpassed michael jordan this question let's go back to the genesis of this in the 90s when michael jordan and chicago bulls were wreaking havoc upon the nba think about this two three-peats in seven seasons two three-peats in seven seasons and you're talking about a team that was built from the ground up there was no hey uh patrick ewan you can't win a championship with the knicks come over to the bulls uh hey um sean kemp you guys can't beat us come over to the bulls it was none of that stuff you stuck with your team the team drafted solid players developed them or there was a a veteran player that had been around for a while his contract was up and he went to another team there, there was no let's combine our energies there was no voltron in okay there was no uh combiner like the transformers no computron in no predaking in it no devastator there was none of that stuff we're gonna build a super team so we can win a championship all my homeboys in the league hey your contract's up i'm gonna hold it down for a year for a season then you know i'm gonna make sure these other players get out of here so we have some cap space and everything hope the luxury tax don't hit us then um who else we got out there yeah 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 him that's my man too you cool with him all right all this gonna get down here and we gonna go with this it was none of that you had your star then you had your all-star each team basically had two stars sometimes two superstars there was no three-headed hydra you know monster anything like that there were there were not three superstars on one team they weren't doing that that third guy actually probably was a um a, a, a role player type guy that did one or two things really 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 well and that's how teams were built in the 90s now you, you look at this go back and kids go back and look at the scores in the 90s you seldom saw 110 versus 110 it was like 90 88 sometimes 76 80 there was defense being played it was a man's game it was not that, oh, he hit my elbow flopping and calling for a foul. Nobody's supposed to touch me. It was none of that. Okay? You had players like Gary Payton, Allen Iverson, driving the paint. Okay? Smaller players. You had Muggsy Bowes out there. Okay? Guys driving the paint. Players weren't running for the three-point line. They weren't doing that stuff that goes down in Houston. All right, I like Golden State, but they weren't. They didn't try to have the Splash Brothers. A three-point play is because it was there. And you had the guy who did it, Steve Kerr. You had those guys that did that. What's my man used to play for the Bulls, too? He won the three-point shoot contest a couple of times. But it was your high-percentage scoring plays. It was getting the paint, okay? Mid-range. You had to have all that. Then you had anomalies like Hakeem Olajuwon going mid-range on you. They, you know, you were center. You banged, you know, in the paint underneath the rim. 
That was your job. Dominate near the rim. Shaq. Guys like that. Mutombo. But now it's just like we want to see scoring. So anytime somebody's touched a little bit, oh, beep, and go to the line. I cannot watch a Rockets game because of James Harden. It's painful. I tell everybody, I don't watch the NBA until the playoffs, really. I, I peep at it because it's so whiny. But back to this GOAT talk. The, the clear deciding factor for the majority of people who say that LeBron James will never surpass Michael Jordan is the fact that Michael Jordan has never lost in the finals. When it matters most, he won. And, you know, you got the, the, the younger generation. They never saw him play. So all they know is his sneakers and YouTube clips. The, the somewhat older generation that's behind me. You got to see Michael again. And that was Kobe. Rest in peace to the Mamba. But Kobe modeled his game after MJ. And before MJ, you had Magic and Bird dominating the 80s, along with Isaiah. Give Isaiah his props. He's a hater, but give him his props because the, the Pistons were a powerful team, and MJ knows that. They were his kryptonite. He had to get past the Pistons. Once he got past the Pistons, it clicked. It clicked. And the Pistons knew their reign of terror was over. That's why they walked off the court and didn't shake hands with them. You can't say somebody's better when they have lost when it mattered most or disappeared in games. I get it. You want to be a facilitator of the ball. But you got to win. You got to take over. You claim to be the king. Then you lord over your fiefdom. You lord over your kingdom. You take control. There is no player in the history of the NBA I would not want the ball in. It, it, look, I'm giving the ball to MJ. Crunch time. I'm giving it to him. Because for one, he's going to get in your head the fear that he's going to hit a game winner. And he's going to do whatever it takes to will his team ahead. Not LeBron. Passes off. Dishes off. To solidify your greatness and you accept the responsibility. Win or lose for your team. And that's what MJ did. That's what Kobe did. You say, I'm the best. I'm going to show you. When you're the best, you know you're going to be criticized. You don't play it safe to protect your legacy. There was no uh, uh, load management when Jordan was playing. These are two different eras, everyone. Now, before you say I'm a hater of LeBron, I'm not. He is one of the greats, hands down. A generational talent. We may never see a player this dominant for this era in a very long time. The gap between him and the current players in the league is insurmountable at this point. But he is not the player that I would say, hey, LeBron, take over. It's 30 seconds left in the game. I don't trust him. I've never trusted him. I saw that when they played the Mavericks. When Jason Terry locked him down. Jason Terry? <laughs> Come on, man. Y'all know Michael Jordan would have just handed Jason Terry 
his backside. We know that. LeBron has never been an assassin, a killer, like Magic and Bird was before MJ, like Dr. J was. He would finesse you, but when we counted most, he wanted that responsibility. Kareem as well. You knew in the 90s, playing the Bulls, you had to stop Michael. And when Mike was off, guess who was going to eat you alive? Pippin. So it became pick your poison. Pick your poison. Either way, they were going to just roll over you, hands down. They're going to do what they need to do to beat you. Then you had to worry about the guys who were brought along just to do one thing. I mean, look at Dennis Rodman when he was with the Bulls. We know about the craziness that was going on now with the documentary and all that stuff. You know, um, you would see like crazy stat lines, like ten rebounds, eight blocks, four assists, four points. And he was fine with that. He was fine with that. Where do you? You cannot find a player like that right now. They say, hey, hey, you know what you're here for. Do this and do it well. Different generation. So, you you say he's been to the, the finals, what, 11 times? Oh, that's great. But you have to win. Think about the Buffalo Bills. They went four years in a row to the Super Bowl. What are they known for? Losing four years in a row. Nobody say, man, they were the team in the AFC because that's the runner-up. People don't remember runner-ups. Nobody remembers who finished second to Usain Bolt when he broke those world records because they weren't paying attention to them. In a couple of those races, it was the guys who held the world record prior to him. <laughs> Maurice Green, you know, dudes like that. They were in those races. They, they held the record prior to him. So, I mean, unless you know the sport, nobody remembers the person that lost. They don't remember that. This isn't boxing. All right. And it, all right. I'm, I'm a sneakerhead. Someone asked me, hey, the solution, you're a sneakerhead. What do you think about LeBron James uh, sneakers? I said, never pay retail price for them. Never. They'll be in outlets. Because the appreciation for his sneakers hasn't really been realized yet. The older ones, like I, I think... Um, it's like the Christ the King and the Saint Vincent, uh, the the greening the greening gold ones and the burgundy and gold ones. That particular, see, I don't even really know the runs of them and stuff like that. Those are coveted in the black and gold pair. But you know, in the South Beast, everybody wants to call that if it's close to it, like the the uh, Jordan Eight All Star Riverwalk version. Everybody wants to call it the South Beast, but it's not. It's the Riverwalk Eight. The colors are different, people. Oh, look, you know, it's kind of turquoise and pink. Nah, wrong colors, y'all. But nobody's really checking for LeBron sneakers like that yet. Give it about, you know, five years after retire. You know, people probably talk about them and stuff like that. But it's like there's a new pair that come out every week. It's saturation. There's just too many of them. That's the other problem. The, your appreciation for them can't really be developed. You're like, oh, there's another one this week. You know, he... It's like every two weeks, oh, he'll be wearing these. Goodness. 
It's like if we put enough of them, we're going to make enough money from them. And that's what it is. He has a huge contract and they're just putting them out. And they know they're going to get a return back on it regardless because people are going to buy them. But the desire and demand for them isn't help. I have seen people wear them a little more after the Lakers won. And that's just bandwagon, scrotum cowboy type stuff. But he is not the GOAT, everyone. He's not the GOAT. <clears throat> and a, a thing that was brought up. People said, how can you have the greatest of all time when there's more goats? Is it a herd of goats? I think he's one of the greats, but the goat, the head goat, okay? the Billy. And how did we get the term goat? And here's the funny part. A lot of this generation, you don't know where, how the term goat was even coined. Shout out to James Todd Smith. LL Cool J coined the term GOAT, aka greatest of all time. These kids are using the term and don't even know where it came from. LL Cool J, not the actor, the rapper, coined that on an album. He came up with that. Greatest of all time. Yeah. Remember that 4321 where him and Cannabis dissed each other? With Redman and Method Man on DMX. Dope song. One of the greatest posse cuts in rap history. He said in the end, LL Cool J, greatest of all time. Then he came back with the album, greatest of all time. That's where that came from, kids. That's where it came from. But that is the weekly rundown with sports. And I didn't do current events because I'm going to say that. Because a lot of topics with that, y'all. A lot of topics. But Goat Talk, NFL Update. College football is all over the place. It, just watch the games as you see fit and, and wait to the end of the season. Because I don't know what they're going to do with these bowl games. I, you know, the, these sponsorships lose so much money with these bowl games and they just make it back from the television contracts. We may not see a lot of these bowl games this year. I don't even think they should do it because a lot of teams aren't even playing. A lot of teams aren't even playing. Have about... 10 to 15 bowl games and that's it it's just it shows you that the saturation of it it's just a very very odd season with covid but like i always tell everyone hey just be a better human and then take care of everything and i'm out of here the solution